The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. So, dude, I gotta ask, it's mid-August, and I recall from moving to Northampton, Massachusetts in August of 1989, I was, uh... Well, I think shocked is a fair word at how early fall arrives in New England. Is it still summer there or not? It is so summer here. This particular week, uh, it is like today is going to be 97 is the oh, high yeah. Yeah. With, a, mm. with a dew point over 70. So very humid, very muggy. There's a gentle breeze. I can tell you that, but, um, <laughs> but it is, it is, it's a brutal, for some reason, this week is brutal. Uh, next week also looks summery, but as you say, it's, it's going to be 97 here today, but it could be, you know, 50 in two weeks. Yeah. Because down is up and left is right now. <laughs> yes, even aside from uh, climate change and whatnot, just New England is. Uh, I don't think there's any place on Earth where I feel the statement, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change, is more true than New England. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just nonlinear, right? It's, you know, you, <laughs> in summer you get uh, you get these weeks where it's very summery and then you get weeks where it's like 60s and raining and you're like but it's july yes um yes. so it's a bit nonsensical is it more nonsensical than it used to be i don't know you know my bias suggests that yes it is but i don't know yeah yeah i hear you <laughs> how's your air quality there is it affecting your riding at all or is the wind good for you you know we've been exceptionally fortunate uh, the Dixie fire is now the largest in California history. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird number one sort of thing in a really depressing fashion in that, like for three years running, we have set new records for the largest fire in California history. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, that part is terrifying, but, uh, you know, and in terms of, can I go out and ride and not hack up my own lungs? I can, uh, there have been some, some sunsets that have looked a little odd. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's you oddly know, there's beautiful. Some, yeah. Disconcertingly beautiful is yeah. really how I would put it. Right. Uh, so yeah, I can tell there's something in the air, but maybe it's more upper atmosphere than down here at the ground. I have <laughs> taken to uh, opening up uh, the app Breezometer more frequently uh, so I can check on uh, air quality and wind currents and see how things are moving and which way things are moving and what's in the moving. I think I think being a cyclist for an extended period of time should confer like a bachelor's in meteorology. 
I'm I'm down with that. At least a minor. At yeah. least a minor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you watch the weather every day, you learn things. And and multiple times each day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if I was in Memphis, I might not have to do the the multiple times each day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, I definitely do that here. I definitely do that here. Yeah. And and the other reason to do it here, as we discussed before, is that um, you know, if I check it this morning and it's supposed to be raining in two days, I could check it in the afternoon and it's not. Yeah. 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 Totally. So yesterday I, uh, I didn't go for a ride because I was down in San Anselmo seeing my counselors, uh, for a counseling session, uh, avec ketamine. And, uh, I think I just wanted to mention this to let people know, you know, really good mental health is ongoing work, just like training. Uh, but yesterday was pretty extraordinary. They're all you know, it's like, it's like snowflakes and children. They're all unique. But yesterday was just such an exceptional gift. Uh, there was one early in my experience where it was like Pepperland out of Yellow Submarine, where <laughs> it was all <laughs> bright primary colors and secondary colors and, you know, saturated hues and it was happiness and love and exclamation points. And, this and somehow was, you knew how to play the tuba. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, yes. And the trombone, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, yesterday was, I don't have a better word for it than to say it was more mature, uh, mm. more evolved. Uh, this reality that we occupy completely went away. And I was a hundred percent square with that. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the body that I have was not going to be, I still had my sense of self. The ego was there, but the body was gone. And I was convinced that this was going to be my reality going forward. But there was an assuredness, uh, a confidence about it. Um, a, uh, a kind of happiness that, uh, well, it'd be like, you know, climate versus weather, as you were noting before the show. It was, right. uh, it was remarkable. And I came out <clears throat> um, just in such a, a, a calm and happy and centered place. Mm. And I mean, I drove down there yesterday feeling pretty good. Mm. And it's, you know, uh, I guess the difference between a nine and a ten. I think I, I think that's important. You know, a lot of people react and take action on their mental health when they feel badly. Right. But if you know, if you stay after it, if you develop good mental health habits that can include whatever, you know, talking to somebody about your stuff or whatever it is that you do. To do it consistently uh, rather than try to, you know, whack it with the sledgehammer and be done and just hope that it goes well. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I, I've really abhorred, uh, during periods of my depression is the yo-yo effect, the down and the up. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just learning to say, okay, I mean, I'm feeling good today, but I'm still going to do these things because this is how I stay where I am. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just had uh, sort of an image, you know, if you wait until your car runs out of gas, it's a big to do. <laughs> it is a problem. Yeah. 
if you wait until the idiot light is on, you've got to get gas at the nearest place you can get gas. If you fill up before the idiot light is on, you can choose the cheapest place in town. And, and get a, get a Coke and a smile on the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, for, for what it's worth, Steve and I have a whole, uh, uh, episode of revolting about mental health where we, we talk through what we're doing, how, you know, what our histories are, et cetera. So that's upcoming for those people who have begun to dabble with that podcast. I, I look forward to hearing that one myself and I'm going to get to, since I have to mix it. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. What are you up to this week? This week, I'm thinking about food. Um, There are a lot of reasons. I just finished reading The Midlife Cyclist, which is a book by my friend Phil Cavell that I've mentioned on this show before. Mm -hmm. The review, actually, I wrote a review that's up on the site just today. Um, He touches on food and what's good for an aging athlete. On the flip side, I was also talking to Stevel about future episodes of Revolting, and I mooted the idea of doing a whole episode about 7-Eleven and the treasures it offers cyclists. Oh, um, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the UN climate report came out this week and reaffirmed that we're all going to die in a fiery ball of fire much sooner than we feared uh, before. Mm, yeah. So, so anytime I think about the climate crisis, I think I should probably become a vegetarian, uh, which is a thing that I've flirted with before. And well, and I'll I'll elaborate just to say because um, the farming of livestock for food uh, is such a huge contributor, kind of on a par with driving um, gas powered cars. Uh, So they're sort of on a par causation wise. So. um, So I think about, you know, okay, maybe getting plant based is the thing to do. And just to set the baseline I'm an omnivore. I eat and like just about everything. I like garbage food. That's the 7-Eleven appreciator in me. And I also (laughs) like very healthy food. I genuinely love kale, for example. Um, Kale, seaweed. I'm not sure I can allow you to continue to be on this show. Yeah, I know. People have that reaction. I didn't expect to really like kale, but it has. I really like kale. I really like seaweed. There's some flavor in like those ultra green um, vegetables that appeals to my palate in a way I can't can't really explain. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And kimchi, uh, which is not green. I mean, it starts green, but um, <laughs> it used to be green. <laughs> yeah, but there's there is a flavor in there. And I don't want to start talking about umami this and umami that because I don't properly know what that means. But um, anyway, so my, my point being is that um, if you take me to uh, a North Carolina barbecue, I'm going to have a really good time. If you take me to the vegan restaurant, I'm probably also going to have a really good time. I like it all. Uh, I can eat fine dining and appreciate what's going on there. And I can go to, you know, the five guys and really wreck uh, a cheeseburger. So, (laughs) so any dietary restrictions for me, you know, there, there is some level of sacrifice involved again, because I like eating everything. I'm blessed genetically uh, which I think is important to mention because a lot of people uh, think about their weight a lot when they think about what they're eating. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. My weight's very stable. 
I come I come from a line of um, hardworking farm stock uh, folks who are thin and powerful into their later years. I, in fact, I was wondering this morning um, as I got out of the shower, too much information, um, <laughs> if it's possible for those previous generations of farmers to have passed on their, somehow their hard work modified their DNA such that I got a better deal. I don't know. Don't if you put go too back much... enough generations, you know, yeah, right? eight, 800 or a thousand generations. The answer I think is yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, my family has been um, farming in mid Wales for 800 to 1,000 generations. I believe that. It's possible. It is possible. I in mean, fact, as I think about it, it's not un- improbable. <laughs> but be that as it may, I don't have to think too hard about what goes in my mouth to maintain a healthy weight and the ability to do things I like to do. Having said all that, it feels like modifying my diet right now, or at least soon, to address my aging body's changing needs and maybe to do my bit to lessen the carbon load on the planet might be a good idea. That's that's what's in my head this week, as it is sort of randomly throughout the year. But I won- I wondered what you thought about all of that, what your diet is like, and whether you think of making these kinds of changes or whether you've already made them. Uh, okay. A, yes. I think about these changes and I think about, uh, changes to diet relative to the environment and climate. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, every now and then I drive I-5 here in California and you pass two areas where there are just thousands of cows. Uh, there are two just ginormous ranches and, it smells as you would imagine it smells, uh, plus worse because there's also other environmental muddy, earthy stuff. And that's just disturbing from an animal welfare standpoint. Mm. Uh, and I had similar views in the South driving past, uh, chicken ranches. Uh, so those things weigh on me. And then yes, uh, somebody who eats a lot of beef, if they, if they stopped eating the beef, uh, that would do just as much as stopping driving their car. Um, and so that's a remarkable thought. I phased beef out of my diet uh, a couple decades ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, out, uh, out with friends at a steakhouse, yeah, I can have a steak. It's fine. Uh, a really good cut of beef is a fun thing to eat. But any lesser quality beef uh, causes me certain gastrointestinal distress. Um, right. Some some of the work stopped moving. Um, <laughs> so elegantly it, put. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, I have a couple of reasons not not to go there. Um, yeah. I I have a pretty fairly based plant diet, but I haven't eliminated chicken by any means. Um, and I, it weighs on me. Um, the weirder still aspect of this is, uh, because of travel to Europe, especially France, (laughs) um, I, 
I mean, I was doing these bike tours that would be two weeks and you would cover between 600 and a thousand miles in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And there would be, you know, 60,000 to a hundred thousand feet of climbing in two weeks. And I learned in fairly short order that being a vegetarian was going to cause you to just waste away uh, on those. I never tried to do that. That's when and you so got into foie gras potato chips. Pretty much. I mean, I was brought this gelatinous meat terrain once and a a good friend of mine looked at it and just kind of shook his head like, I can't, I can't, I just, I can't do this. And I was thinking about how the next day was going to be 80 miles and 8,000 feet of climbing. Mm. And so I got my knife and fork out and I went to town. Um, This is gross. May I have another? (laughs) You know, it's like, well, it's calories. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was not a delightful eat, oh. but one of the things that happened uh, repeatedly on those trips was charcuterie. <laughs> and I discovered that I really, really liked cured pork. <laughs> I, I really like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Oh, you mean like the fact that it's delicious? It's delicious. It's, you know, it does all the things. It ticks all the boxes. Like it's got the fatty satisfaction that goes along with it. It's salty. It's it is um, it is savory like no potato chip will ever be savory. It has all the things. Yeah. yeah. I chuckled yeah. when you brought up charcuterie because my my wife and I go through these. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this. My wife and I go through these uh, charcuterie phases where, you know, every night. Or every evening at the end of the workday, we sort of rendezvous in the kitchen around cheese and, you know, dried, dried, cured, cured meats. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Well, you wouldn't because if you develop that habit, it's terrible for you. (laughs) It's terrible for you. (laughs) So that's why it's a that's why it's a periodic. uh, It's a spasm of indulgence. And we're in a charcuterie phase right now. There, we have some fine cheeses. This is embarrassing. I feel I feel like I've just confessed. Like I have, there's sket bodies buried in my backyard. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. I, I but I remember once writing. You know, I don't have any human livers in my freezer. Um, that might have been on a dating profile. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't either. But I do have a very fine Stilton. I, okay. Well, yeah, I won't join you for that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the upshot to all this is that uh, living in Sonoma County and having uh, so much farm to table sort of uh, availability of foods, I um, I have continued to eat these foods and I really enjoy these foods and uh you know, when I've run across like a, a serious vegan on a dating profile, I think, man, she's probably not going to dig some of the things that I do. Right. Uh, that's less of an issue now, but for other reasons, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I'm not eager to give that up. And I don't feel that badly about it because... Uh, when I'm having uh, a piece of chorizo, there's a pretty fair chance that it came from within 20 miles of where I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we do that as well. We buy from a local farmer. We do those things. Uh, we're sort of, I don't know, you got to recognize that we're, we both live in a privileged uh, geography to be able to do those things. Not everyone can. And this is one of the conversations I have with my wife. I say, we should really move plant-based. And she says, yeah, but we buy from the farmer. I said, I say, but yeah, not everybody can. So at some point, you you know, I, I feel like there's a new golden rule developing, which isn't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's um, do the things that you would be OK with seven and a half billion other people doing. I, you know, I can't argue with that in the least. I really cannot. Mm. Um, you know, it would be nice if everyone had the same availability uh, I mean, now we're starting to get into, you know, like food deserts, which, you know, there were, are lots of in, in L.A. And yeah. I used to read about that a lot. And that troubles me. Um, but, you know, I also think about the small uh, the small economy of Sonoma County and the right. way it's interconnected here. And I feel like I'm doing a world of good to be supportive of, you know, the, the local producers and purveyors here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I see, I see our farmer, our farmer, God, pardon me. Uh, I see our <laughs> farmer once a month. She's delightful. Um, and to say, to go to her and say, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to tap out of the meat game. Yeah. I mean, it would be heartbreaking for her. I mean, not us specifically, we're not that important, but you know, if everyone did that, her her livelihood goes away. So, yeah, it's a there's it's a real balancing act. And I think, you know, my wife will always say that moderation uh, adjustment and moderation is the way forward. And uh, I say, but have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> Are you new here? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's effective with accelerators and brake pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when your face is on the line, uh, moderation is a much more attractive proposition. But when my kids say, hey, can we can how about burgers and shakes? I mean, I'm the dad who says, yeah, yes, yes, boys, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's. Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Very, very curious uh, listeners out there. If you, if you have it within you to tell us what you're doing in the comments, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Join us in. Alrighty. We're going to take a break and we will be back in just a moment. The pace line is brought to you by the cycling independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader supported with absolutely no advertiser sponsor or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, so, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What do you got for us this week, Patrick? Well, another listener question. Uh, hmm. Listener Gary messaged me a couple of days ago to ask if I was going to be doing some of the upcoming events around here. 
So the grasshoppers have started up and Bike Monkey will be running their first event since 2019 later this month. Uh, and I'm very excited for Carlos Perez, the owner of Bike Monkey. I, I'm just so thrilled for him. So I've been waiting for this. Uh, my current lack of fitness aside, um, mm. <laughs> I've been excited to have something drive my training and, you know, the opportunity to see old friends. Now, <laughs> all that said, the news of the last week feels like the pandemic is starting all over again, thanks to the Delta variant. I recall last year when the pandemic went from this, you know, looming threat, well, from a, a vague threat to a looming threat to a big deal, all in about 72 hours. And this was just as my former co-host, Celine, arrived in Oklahoma for the Mid-South. Uh, I got to say, this feels like that all over again. I'm I'm actually in this uh, in this boat because I have an event in Georgia first uh, of October, and I need to book flights. And I'm just thinking, like, am I is this going to happen? Am I doing this, or am I? You know, mm-hmm, I can relate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sunday, I went to take my boys to the Sonoma County Fair. Uh, now we're recording this on Wednesday. And as I just mentioned, you know, things went from kind of a little bit concerning to, oh, my God, in 72 hours. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, Sunday, I thought uh, we will go to the Sonoma County Fair and we got close to the fairgrounds and I saw this looming mass of humanity and realized in the space of uh, let's call it 25 feet uh, that this was a very bad idea. I didn't even park. I turned left and we headed home. The kids love that. Uh, oh, oh, irony. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> irony. Yes. I love that stuff. Um, and, you know, I will add to this. I'd begun putting together plans for another edition of the Red Kite Rendezvous. There was a little Google Doc spreadsheet I'd I'd begun writing stuff into like who I was going to contact to, to appear and, you know, show off bikes and whatnot. And rather than just save the spreadsheet and close it, I deleted it. I just Mm. deleted it because it seemed silly. Uh, The one thing I haven't done is cancel a couple of flights. I have scheduled back to Memphis. Honestly, I don't care if I have to wear a hazmat suit. I want (laughs) to make those trips. Right, right, right. Uh, but good Lord, I have to be careful. I mean, I've got something personal, personally wonderful developing there. And, uh, my mom is 80. And so, uh, I'm realizing I need, if I'm going to spend more time with my mom, I need to start spending more time with my mom now. Right. Uh, my two greatest concerns though, are my mom and my youngest son, Matthew, uh, RKP readers, uh, who are listeners might better recall him as the deuce. So yeah, my mom's 80, uh, and she lives in a place, Memphis, where mask use is, mm, let's say optimistically frowned upon. Mm. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. More concerning is Matthew who has already spent time on a ventilator due to his time in the NICU. Every time that boy gets sick, he ends up with respiratory issues. 
And so we have to give him, you know, an asthma inhaler and their nebulizer treatments. Um, and even with those, he may cough for a month. Uh, yeah. when he starts coughing, it can last for a minute or more. Um, and he's only eight. So yeah. being vaccinated is something that, you know, we're waiting on the CDC to decide whether or not that can happen. Uh, he could be nine by the time they make that decision, you know? Right. Uh, and they may still say no. So I, you know, I have, I have people in my inner circle that I have to worry about with this. Uh, and I, whew, uh, I went on Amazon the other day and I ordered N95 masks for us, reusable N95s, because I figure, you know, as long as we got this kicking around, I want a better mask. And, uh, well, we have the Dixie fire now. We're going to have some other fire, you know, uh, at some point here in Sonoma County. And I'm going to need N95s for that. And I'd rather get them now before they're all sold out. So, uh, this is, this is really something. And I'm, I, it's not like I'm scared. I, you know, it's like, oh, just more of that crazy that I already lived through. Okay. It's not the worst thing in the whole world. Right. No, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, but at least I know I can get through it. I, but I just don't know what to make of the situation right now. I, I mean, beyond like, Oh, maybe I don't go to Georgia. How is this affecting your thinking? Well, I, we're, we, again, we're very fortunate. Um, my kids are teenagers. They're both vaccinated. Um, we can both work from home. We do, we do both work from home very comfortably. So we're able to manage our exposure in a way that other people can't. I started wearing a mask to the grocery store again, not because I'm worried about myself. That's entirely because the people at the grocery store have to deal with a lot of humans all day, every day. And maybe they feel better the more of us who are masked. So for me, mm -hmm. it's, you know, when I go into a store or an inside public place, I'm putting the mask on now. Um, here in Massachusetts, compliance with that is probably 80 percent. Um, and I'm not I don't. I, I'm sure that a lot of the folks not wearing masks are vaccinated and and I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, whether they're just like, I'm OK, so I don't need to wear a mask and that whatever. I I think. You know, collectively, we're in such a mixed we are such a mixed bag of consciousness about how vi uh, viruses work. Yeah. And I'm not an epidemiologist either, so I'm not going to advocate a position. I'm just going to say what I do. I wear the mask to protect other people. I also have uh, an elderly mother uh, with some underlying conditions. She's also vaccinated, but, you know, a breakthrough infection, uh, for whatever reason, pr is pretty bad for her. Right. Um, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm concerned I'm concerned not to make the problem worse. I'm I, I'm concerned yeah. not to myself be part of the problem. So I'm doing, you know, what I think are some very basic and easy things to not have that problem. And interestingly, you know, we we wore the masks and I, in my family, I'm the one during the, the height of the pandemic. I'm the one that went to the grocery store and did all the public facing things. It was just me. And I wore the mask. There was a period where I was wearing two masks. 
Um, and so, um, what was my point here? Oh, my, my point was, <laughs> I think the idea that the, the pandemic is over was a really nice idea. I entertained it myself like, oh, we're, you know, we're vaccinated now and we can go on with our lives. In the back of my mind, I knew that mutations were coming and booster shots were coming. And I suspect that that's our future for probably an extended period of time. Just like it is with cold and flu, this thing is going to be around and we, we're going to have to manage it. Having said that, during that time when I was masked or double masked and, and we were all managing our exposure, nobody got the flu. Nobody got a cold. <laughs> nobody was ill in any way. So it's uh, that taught me two things. One, you know, if you have a cold or the flu, it's a really good idea to wear a mask so as not to pass it on to other people. But also that um, human contact with these things is is dangerous. Like that's where it comes from. Right. Like mm -hmm. being face to face with other humans. We're 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 uh, we're not good for each other in that way. So I am concerned about traveling a bit, but um, I think, you know, the, the the what I read about being on airplanes is very positive. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can then get out of the airport after as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I'm thinking about is how, you know, the, the R naught factor that, you know, the contagious factor of the original strain that was moving around was low, like, like two ish. Mm. Uh, and the new one is, uh, they think on the order of chicken pox, maybe even higher. Right. I remember as a child, how, when chicken pox moved through my neighborhood and it moved through my neighborhood, it came from a neighborhood that was to the south of my neighborhood and spread up homes moving north and got to my home and got me and my sister and then spread up into our cul-de-sac. We were a house on the corner of a cul-de-sac and yeah. it spread up the cul-de-sac. You could have drawn a line showing the movement of that disease. Yeah. And I think about that now and it's like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm going to go on Amazon this afternoon and just go ahead and order the hazmat suit. <laughs> uh, I, that, when I read that the other day, you know, I can, uh, uh, can, I can't remember the word can, it, that is, is contagious on the order of chicken pox. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's, that's really bad. Cause that stuff was just so incredibly contagious. Yeah. Um, that's a real concern. I guess we'll live through this too. I mean, provided we don't get it. Let's move on to the pace line picks. Great. So this week I am picking I think you're going to enjoy this. This week I'm picking The Crazy Friend. Define crazy. <laughs> well, if you don't have a crazy friend, I suggest you get one. They're a valuable addition, addition to any cycling lifestyle. I'll explain to you what they are. Oh, so good. The Crazy Friend takes on two basic guises. First, there's the one who sits up late at night staring at Google Maps, toggling back and forth between the map and the satellite view because he or she is just totally convinced they can connect this trail to that one. That there I've must... never been that person. No, I haven't. I, well, I have a little, <laughs> but 
but I have in my running life, I have a woman who is in fact, she texted me earlier today. I think I have a way to connect blah, blah, blah with Bob. And she's like, I sound crazy right now. And I was like, <laughs> you do, but ride the lightning, you know, it's OK. <laughs> because what happens is they bring that route to the group and inflict it on everyone. And that's where a lot of good adventures come from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I even like the ones where you go down a cul-de-sac or, or you know, you come to a barrier at the end, a guardrail. And the, your friend is your crazy friend is just sure the trail goes through. And then you look over the Jersey barrier and there's like a hundred foot drop. <laughs> you can see the trail, but you would need a helicopter to get to it. <laughs> I like the I, what I'm saying is I enjoy the failures as much as the successes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now yes. we're going to have to bushwhack around this whole whatever. That's fine. Um, the other flavor of crazy friend is the one who isn't goal oriented or at least not like in the traditional cycling sense. So when they propose a ride, it includes a swim or a slurpee or like a sketchy jump. They found that a bunch of teenage kids built, you know, but they're <laughs> like, they're like, I really there's this thing I really need to check out and it's sketchy <laughs> and there's no cell service. So, you know, just watch yourself. <laughs> So I'm lucky to have a few crazy friends. Um, uh, They know who they are. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to say I love and appreciate them. (laughs) Uh, So there's a a rather, I mean, among among people who know guitarists, there's a rather well-known luthier down in Santa Cruz, Jeff Traugott. He's a cyclist. And he is the crazy friend. I was on a ride with him once and we took this left turn between two houses onto a little trail that I don't know, it ran a hundred feet. It was very short. And the thing that it connected was the road we were on to the road we were on. It simply cut out a switchback, (laughs) but it was like, this is the, the best, most hilarious thing ever. Right. Uh, it was absolutely awesome. And so uh, shout out to arguably one of the finest guitar makers on the entire planet. Also, shout out to my friend Romany McMara, uh, who is uh, a crazy friend. And she and I don't get to do nearly enough adventures together. Uh, and, you know, to everyone who shook their head at the stuff that I dreamt up, uh, I'm not apologizing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 That's all part of it. A good sign. Absolutely. A good sign that uh, of who the crazy friend is, is the one that emails you the route at 2 a.m. Um, mm. Or mm. if you show up for the ride and, and they have a bolt cutter with them, that's a dead <laughs> giveaway as well. <laughs> that's how you know. <laughs> okay. I haven't been that friend. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember the one time we were trying to descend. This was actually on the road. We were descending uh, this road in Malibu, uh, Rambla Pacifico. And uh, I was like, you know, this, it, it goes through, it goes all the way down to, to PCH. Uh, and there was a sign saying road out. And I was like, I bet that it's just partly out. We can get around. And I got to the line of K rails at the end of the road. And I looked over and I, turned to the person I was with and I was like, actually, no, we're not going to get through. You can't get around on the side. Um, no, no, can't get around on the side. 
Well, why not? I mean, it, it, there's got to be something left. No, it's kind of just all air. Uh, a landslide had taken out the entirety of the asphalt for a solid 40 feet or so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I was evil Knievel, the road went through. Yeah. You're not. But yeah, you're not. Yeah. 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 With K rails and a road bike, the road didn't go through. I love. The and so I was turned back. I love the mistakes where you have descended some horrific descent to find out at the very bottom that it doesn't connect and then to correct the mistake you have to climb back up that was this very mistake yeah, 12 yeah, yeah. to 14% for more than a mile yeah, yeah. like oh wow okay well this is going to take a little time uh, <laughs> i guess this is what we're doing now <laughs> yes yes i i am so glad you did this yes uh cheers to the crazy friend yeah um <laughs> Uh, well, my pick isn't sexy, but it is worth the mention. So my nod this week is to Shimano's, Shimano's polymer-coated cables that come with their Dura-Ace, Altegra, and XTR groups and are available <laughs> in today's current climate, uh, usually <laughs> at aftermarket for replacement. So... I'm in the midst of swapping out cables on a road bike of mine. And because those cables are not easy to find right now, I decided, oh, screw it. I've got stuff here at home. I'll just use some regular cables I have among my spare parts. And I, brand, I ran a brand new but uncoated cable to the rear derailleur and was genuinely shocked at how heavy the shifting became. Mm. Uh, it's like... E you know, they did this for a reason. You should have just trusted them and respected them. They are, after all, Shimano. Right. There's a fair chance they know what they're doing. Mm. Um, uh, you know, then I had to go talk to a few different local bike shops to find those cables because everything is in such short supply. Now that they are installed, <laughs> the performance on the new cables uh, and, you know, the housing is such that the improvement over not only the cheap stuff, but also my old and worn cables makes me wonder why I waited so damn long to replace them. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know how to work on bikes. You maintain, I, just do the thing you do. Right. There's a, a reason you do often. it. Yeah. 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 Uh, here's the, the, the thing that's really worth noting though. For anyone who has a bike with 105, Tiagra, Diori XT, Diori, Replacing the existing cables that came with those groups will actually result in an improvement in both shifting and braking uh, over when the bike was brand new. Right. So that's something to consider. There will be a link in our show notes. I can't promise that you'll be able to find them anywhere, though. Well, an alternate solution is uh, before each before you install the cable, what you do before you feed it through the shifter <laughs> is um, you put it through the end of a stick of butter. So you put it through the butter all the way and then right into the shifter. And basically you're buttering the entire thing. All right. That's a performance right. advantage. And as it heats up, it smells delicious. You know... I need to listen to you more often. Yeah, yeah. Life hacks. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to yell life hacks. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, hashtag. Uh, <laughs> alrighty. Well, that's another episode of the pace line in the wrap. Uh, hmm. Yeah, this one was different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned the the upcoming event in Georgia. You said it's October? That's right. What's it's the over-under? On me getting there? Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm probably 85% going to get there. Uh-huh. I mean, there's two, there's two odds to think about. One is, am I going to make it there? And if I make it there, am I going to complete the event in question? Mm. Which is a, a trail ultra marathon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cycling is, is, at this point, cycling has become a very nice adjunct to my trail running habit. A necessary okay. adjunct. <laughs> yeah right right yeah um hmm, interesting yeah so i'd give myself 85 percent to get to georgia and like 60 percent to complete the event all right okay well i i wish you luck with that <laughs> <laughs> thanks what do you what do you have going on this weekend i am seriously contemplating getting up early friday morning and driving up to mendocino and spending the whole day there mountain biking. And then this is the part I haven't worked out yet, either getting a room up there or getting a campground spot, uh, spending the night and then doing that one more time on Saturday (laughs) before jamming home. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of an urge for some fresh dirt. Uh, and right now I'm still in a phase where I'm getting a lot more enjoyment out of mountain biking than I am road riding. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I think road riding reminds me of reality too much right now. <laughs> it's too much like traffic and all the things that we left behind last year. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I'm with you. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, before we go, I want to let everybody know about a new cop toy boat, a new podcast that John is producing along with Steve Knievel of All Hail the Black Market. As you mentioned earlier in the show, John, it's called Revolting, but it's not actually literally revolting. I can attest to this because I've listened to it. Uh, I'll also say it's not a cycling podcast in any traditional sense, um, but it's good listen. Uh, and it's probably something that most cyclists would be predisposed to enjoying. I'm thinking maybe possibly. I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope we get to some uh, of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you're definitely getting to stuff. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Uh, I'm also pleased to say that we have some other new podcasts coming up. We will have some announcements in the coming weeks. Uh, some stuff that I think is pretty exciting. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, keep the questions coming. You all are sending great stuff. Uh, we love having the prompts. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments or reach out by some other method like Facebook. Next week's show will be an episode of Paceline Tandem with Phil Cavell, the author of The Midlife Cyclist. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.